0: if you have any idea who that is. All right, he plays professional golf. If you would like a chuckle, go to YouTube or go somewhere in Google's name and tan line and you will find it. He is completely bald and then just take it. All right, if you need a Bible, raise your hand and these guys will be glad to give you one. Take your Bible, turn to Colossians chapter three. Colossians chapter three. We're in the second week of our sermon series. I am a church member on your handout if you weren't here last week we did it's based on Tom Rainer's book which is entitled very good I am a church member we're original if nothing else and last week we did chapter one being a functioning member of the body of Christ universal through God's tool the local church to accomplish his will in our world so today we're doing chapter two very good next week we'll be doing chapter three so if you do not have a book We've got about, and we went, we ran out last week, so we've picked up some more copies and they're out in the lobby and they're five bucks. That's what we pay for them. That's what, if you've got five bucks, we would ask. If not, Please take a book. I want you to have one. You can read it, the entire book, in about 30 minutes. But if you focus on each chapter each week as we go through, maybe read it before we get here on Sunday. It will, might enhance your, our time together. If nothing else, you can go back and read to catch up. It will not take the whole book. I promise you can read it in minutes. But you can get a lot out of it tied it in. So, having said all that, if you don't have a book on your way out today, even if you don't have $5, you take a book. You can, I'll pay for it and give me $5 later. All right? I want you to have a book. What does that mean? Get a book, please. All right. As we, Scott Held in the house. Yeah, there he is. All right. Scott is our starting point teacher, which is our class. Once you decide or you would like to check out Christ Church more, and we have a class that Scott leads, and that gives you much more detail about who we are, where we came from, what we lead, what we do, why we do it, uh, that kind of thing. And it ties very well, it dovetails exceptionally well into what we're doing here at the end of this series, six series on that book. The next week, February 16th, we're beginning a brand new Starting Point class, and Scott will be available in the lobby after we him sign up, or just put it on your Connect card. I'd like to part of the next Starting Point class. We'll pass to Scott. And again, you take that from. What we've been talking about into the Starting Point class. If you are interested, now, as we began the series last week, you'll notice at the top of your handout. We're talking about being a church member, and I want to make sure again and reiterate as we as we get into this that we're not equating in any way joining a local church with your salvation. Your salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ, you're born again and you are a member of the universal church. Whether you go to Christ Church Arlington or you go to Bellevue or you go to Faith Baptist or wherever you might go throughout the world, if you're born again, you are a a Christian, you are a member of the body of Christ. Went over that in great detail last week. However, It's extremely important we understand that as a member of the universal body of Christ, God's tool, when you read the New Testament closely and understand it with with an open mind, God's tool for the universal church to function is the local church. The whole book of Titus, for example, Paul's telling Titus, you go into these areas and start churches. You have elders. Why do you have elders? You have them to rule over local assemblies. You have church discipline. Why do you have church discipline? For things that go on in local assemblies. You have all the one another's that see there in Hebrews. Let us one another do this. We exhort one another. Assemble together. Those things are commands, not suggestions. And as we saw last week, so many people have said and do say, maybe you've been one of these. And certainly I've encountered it many, many times. I've been a Christian now since I was teen and many years ago. And from the moment I was saved and sharing my faith, I was thinking about it today, and Peter doesn't know this, but that little song, I have decided to follow Jesus. I remember the first time I heard that, it was right after I got saved, or right around that time, 1970, and shortly thereafter. And I remember, I love that song, because I, that, that little phrase, nobody else may follow, but I am. And I was crazy enough to believe it, and, and that's the way I was, because I've always had a very, as you could tell, I'm a very introverted person. Uh, and, and my wife is very much an introvert, and I'm very much an extrovert. And I love to talk to people. Well, after I got saved, what do you think I talked to them about? Now, I didn't always do it in the right way particularly with, like, family members and people I was close to, but I loved because it meant, meant so much to me. And that's God wants you excited about your faith. But it's important for us to understand. I'm a member of the universal body of Christ as a believer. I'm part of what goes on in India. Your part, whether you know it or not, of what goes on in Trivandrum, India, Solid Rock International Ministry, because our church supports that. So when you give, a significant portion goes to Solid Rock International. You're part of what God is doing all the way on the other side of the world. I've never been there, but I'm part of it, and so are you. Same thing with Trans World Radio. Same thing with Matt and Star Star Arnold for Tribes Mission. On and on. Campus Crusade for Christ. Uh, Life Choices. You're involved in a lot of places you may have never been, been part of, but as you give and as you pray for them, you're part of it. Having said that, it's vital that we understand that God places us in different spots. Right now, as believers, God has placed us here in this local assembly to do the one another's for each other so that we can go out individually, all the different places that we go, and be an extension of the body of Christ where you might be. And that corporately, then we come together. Even today, for example, we're talking about uh, Blessed Assurance. I have decided to follow Jesus. And I'm, I'm personally, even though you may not have been, personally, those songs are very encouraging to me. I joke with Peter, I may tell, end up telling you about, no, I won't do it. Peter's live crazy a crazy fact. I won't do it. So, he's back there giving hand signals. <laughs> All right. So, turn to Colossians chapter 3. What we're going to look at today, going to the next step. I have decided I'm going to be a functioning member of the body of Christ. I'm born again. Where does the local assembly that the Lord has led me to? For many of you, this is Christ Church. I'm going to be a part of that. We talked about last week finding out your gifts, your heart, your shape. And then what is it God wants me to do? Today... We're going to look at the second idea is I'm going to be a unifying member. I'm going to be a unifying member of the body of Christ. In other words, I'm not going to be divisive. I'm going to work for the unity of the body of Christ. Now look up here before we proceed. Unity does not mean uniformity. None of us look exactly like anybody else in here. None of us are the shape we talked about last week, exactly like someone else in here. Your spiritual gifts are different than mine. Your heart for for ministry, your abilities, personality, your experiences are different than mine. They're different, even if you're married. Mary and I have been married 40 years, and she's not like me. Aren't you glad? I know she is. She's different. She has different abilities. She has a different personality. She has different experiences. Even though we've shared life for 40 years and dated three years off and on, prior to that, our experiences are not all exactly the same. I've never had a baby. Don't plan on having one. She's had three of them. Now, I was there. Yesterday was my uh, middle child's birthday, and I texted she's out of town, so I texted and I said, Oh, I vividly remember the day you were born. I was sound asleep, and the father's waiting at the Baptist Hospital. Was born. It was 5.30 in the morning, and Mary's water broke, and I said, What do I do? She says, You get in the car, stupid. We're going to the hospital. And we got to the hospital. I went in the room. They had a nice little couch there. I said, well, I'll sit down here for a few minutes. And man, I can sleep anytime, anywhere. And I was gone. And to this day, we joke about this. I tell Beth, I was there. Because, yeah, you sound asleep. Yeah, but I was there. I get credit for that. So today, we want to take it to the next step. What we're going to look at today's. I want to be a unifying member. Turn to Colossians chapter 3 and then back up for just a moment to verse 11. We're going to be doing verses 12 to 15. Verse. I don't want to start. I'm sorry. Verse 9. Verse 9. 3-9. Paul writes, do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and you have put on the new man. So I hope you see the contrast of dichotomy Paul uses a lot. A lost person, that, that sin nature is called your old man. You're born again, the righteous, you get Christ, you're declared righteous, present spirit in Christ called the new man. All right, you put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Now notice verse 11. What you're seeing in verses nine through 11 is our new identity in Christ as believers. Now verse 11. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. What I really want you to notice, without us going into great detail, because that's not our text today, it's kind of an introduction, what I really want you to notice about verse 11, that's extremely radical for the day when he wrote it. The early church was almost exclusively Jewish. Paul was Jewish, and he's writing to them saying, understand that this church thing, this body of Christ thing, it's a not, not about circumcised Jewish versus uncircumcised Gentile. It's not about slave nor free. Listen, slavery was a big deal. There's an entire book in the New Testament called Philemon about slavery, about a slave that runs away, gets saved. In that culture, if you were a runaway slave, what did they do to you? They killed you. He ran away, got saved, and Paul writes to his owner and says, you accept him back as a brother in Christ, not as a runaway slave. Very radical stuff. In another place, he says it's neither male nor female. Again, very radical because in Jewish mindset, a husband owned his wife. Not a bad deal if you get away with it. She was property. Jesus comes along and says, no, 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 you don't understand. Quality." The Bible is very radical, incredibly so. So he writes, your new identity is not us versus them, and you versus this person, slave, free, Jew, Gentile. And he uses barbarian and Scythian without going into great detail there. What he's saying there, it's not cultured versus pagan, educated versus uneducated. It's Christ in all. He is all. And that's why it's so beautiful to understand the church. We are Christ's body, individual members of the one credible institution called church. That funks through a local assembly to get done what God wants to done. To get done what God wants done. So today, what we're going to look at in verses 12 through 15 is our new behavior. We saw our identity, who we are in Christ. Now we're going to look at our behavior to unify ourselves as the body of Christ. What is it that God wants from us toward each other? Here's ultimately the reason why. So important. We like each other by and large. You like to come here, you come week after week, you didn't like, you like what Peter and the musicians do, you tolerate what I do, you like this. But it's absolutely essential that we understand we are to glorify Christ in our relationship other so that the world outside see what we're about to talk about and they're drawn to. Because why does church exist? One reason, to make learner followers to glorify God and people to be drawn Jesus we talk about and say, that's what I need. I need to be saved. I need to understand God really does love me. I need a group of people, fellowship where I'm loved, where I'm accepted, where my differences are understood, trying to find a relation to one God. We found that through, we've got to communicate that. Number one, verse 12, is be kind to each other. Of course, be kind. Yes, it's a whole lot more than just not saying what we think sometimes. What does it mean to be kind? You see the words that are up there, but let's begin to walk through. What does it mean to be compassionate, aesthetic, and humble, and gentle, and patient? Remember, this is as God's children, Jesus' body, His church, His chosen institution to reveal self to the world is us. Maybe not the choice you would have made, but it's the choice God has made. You're special. You are a special God. How many of you love your children? Your wife is looking. Of course, you love your children. You think God loves you? The Bible says the earth the Father knows how to give gifts to. How much more does heaven? He's called the Father of lights, the only good and perfect gifts. He's given the gift of salvation to you. He says, I want you to respond in the following way. Number one, kind. Look at verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, those chosen by God, we are his children. church means holy and beloved. Put on. Please, if you write in your Bible or highlight in your Bible, I really encourage you to circle or highlight that, that phrase. Put on. Put on. Everything we're about to read, the rest of this passage flows from that little phrase in Greek, put on. We'll talk about it in a moment. Put on tender mercy, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. The word put on is an introduction to all the qualities that are about to follow, and it means get dressed put clothes on. It's literally what it means. Here's why. It's a covenant word. It goes back to the old testament picture where you exchange identities with another. In other words, if I if I were to go to Rhett, since I made fun of his nose last week, we'll do it this. If I say to Rhett, we're gonna enter into an agreement. A covenant arrangement is a like solemn promise that we make between each other. We would exchange robe and belt in the Old Testament culture to seal the deal. Or we would walk between pieces of cut flesh to seal the deal. To say, okay, we are covenant partners. David and Jonathan, earthly example in the Old Testament. And then what I was saying to Rhett by doing that is we're exchanging identities. So if Rhett has an enemy from that point forward, he's also what? My enemy. If red has a challenge, it becomes mine because I am identified now with him. That's exactly what Paul is saying here. As holy and beloved, set apart by God, holy, beloved, special children of his. In light of who you are, therefore, get dressed. Put this on. And and it carries into the New Testament the idea of exchanging covenant robe with Jesus. We just saw old man, new man. What he's saying is, I want to put aside my old man who was my mass sin. And I want to put on the new man, the robes of righteousness of Christ, given to me as a gift of God. Jesus Christ came, died in my place, rose again. God saved me and declared me righteous because of Jesus. I exchange. I take his robe of righteousness, his identity. I am a Christian in Christ. So the first thing I do is I'm putting on that identity. And I am going to be kind. We're going to be kind to each other so that the world will see, hey, they really don't just go to church together. They care about each other. They're interested in what goes on. They. If you hurt, I hurt. If something exciting happens to you, I'm thrilled for you, not jealous. I'm happy for you. We pray for each other. We want God's best for one another. So it begins with tender mercies. I know it's a little bit different than the words on the handout, but I want to go by the words in the text so we can kind of all be on the same page. Put on, number one, tender mercies. Great word. In Greek, great phrase. In Greek, it literally means, and I want to make, make sure you understand this, Discuss. It literally means turn your bowels over. Because it, to the Greeks, center of emotions, we talk, we talk about the heart. They talked about the bowel, the, the center of your being is what they meant by that. And the idea was, what he's saying here in Greek, is put on deep, gut, level, tender passion for each other. Not that we just go to church together because we like the music. Not just because it's convenient, it's in my little community. Not just because we enjoy being here. Hopefully you do, and that's great. But beyond that is that I genuinely, in a deep, gut-felt level, I care about you. And you care about me. You care about the person sitting at the end of your row, even if you don't know them. I'm always struck, and I do a lot of funerals, and I'm always struck when I do funerals that I wish I knew that person better. Now, obviously, you can't know everybody on the same level But you try. You get to know people because you care. Secondly, it's being kind. Kindness. And that word is sympathetic in Greek. And it means gracious, concerned about your needs. I want to find out what your needs are, not just so that I can pray for you, but maybe I can help those in some way. You never know. God may give you the opportunity to meet somebody's needs. It may be in a financial way. It may just be in help in some physical way. We've got the single uh, um, parent or single lady ministry, things are going on there. There are a lot of things like you might be able to do to help somebody. You don't know. That's why you get involved in each other's lives. Find Find out what's going on. So maybe you can help. Mean and need. Third, humility and meekness are tied together. It's the only character attribute Jesus ever claimed to have we meet meek. It means in the, the Greeks. some fascinating phraseology. The Greeks looked at meekness as weakness. They con- did not consider it a virtue. They considered it less man if you were humble. They literally created a word, scribe Christian, word humility, because they were so different. Did you hear that? They literally created a word in their language, scribe Christian, so different. They were humble. It was not about them. Who was it about? The other person, it's the only character attribute I have. I am in low heart. It means strength, possess, control. You let God come not about. It's about humble, gentle, other, meek, humility. And then verse 12 leading into verse 13, the last part. Long-suffering, bearing with one another. Please do not miss this one. Remember, all of this flows from putting on the robes of righteousness. I'm going to be like Christ. Long-suffering, bearing with one another, the same thing. It means putting up with people. You ever had to do that? Don't raise your hand. Think just a moment. There's somebody in your family. I mean, I, had, I have some things in my family. My wife, he loved me when we first time and stayed. You just had no hard. I mean, I lived and I didn't like it. This idea here is, the Greek is you put up with people without anger, without despair, without bitterness. And it's opposite revenge. I never get back anybody, no matter what they do. I'm never about back at them. Jesus was teaching us how to pray. What did he say about your, you remember? Pray for them, enemies. He said, if somebody cursed you, do you do? You bless. Return. That's not human, is it? You curse me, I'm gonna make up new words unless I'm Josh Pastor. I'm gonna come back with our APR is perfect. And they're all going, what's an APR? Anybody know what that is? Which is pretty exciting that their APR is perfect, but it's kinda of like, that might have been something I would have said in high school. It's all right, I got a 4.0. Well you gonna you be working for me one day, dude. Normally what we're gonna do is we're gonna come back at you and say, well, you're a or you'll get yours. Don't worry about it. This is a beautiful picture. He said, put this on. This is what you wear. These are your clothes. This is what people need to see. How we, within the body, in the local assembly, how we treat each other so that the world will be drawn to that. That no matter how many times I get stabbed in the back, I still love them. Doesn't mean I like it. Doesn't mean I say, please do it again. But it does mean that I love them. I pray for them. I want God's best for them, even though I may totally disagree. It's something they're saying, doing, stand. I will God's best for them. The Apostle Paul said this way. When we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. Number two, verse 13. We're not only kind to each other, we forgive one another. We forgive others. Verse 13. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Again, if you write in your Bible or you highlight in your Bible, you need to, you need to circle, highlight that phrase. I am to forgive within the body of Christ. Obviously, it extends outward, it begins here. People, again, we'll see what we have. I am to forgive you. Look, notice, standard is Christ. The standard is Christ. Pause for a moment and look up. Without raising your hand, think for a moment. How much did Jesus? Forget everybody else in the unit. How much did he forget? I love to dwell on that. It Reminds me how, for what I am, all that I've done. Jesus died on the cross. He paid my, and I had a debt. Never. He paid it. Paid it full. Debt full. It is. I love the picture testament, Micah. That God casts it into the sea. Remember no more. Corey Ten Boom was talking about that verse. If you don't know who Corey Ten Boom is, you get her book, it's an old book called The Hiding Place, and read it. You think you think you've Ever suffered for the lady's book? Oh challenge. German concentration. She was leading Nazi sister. die. Incredible. Anyway, she talked about Corey Ten Boom. You can't remember that at me after that. It's called The Hiding Place. She was talking about that verse in Micah and she said this: God casts sins into sea, remembers no more, casts them, and he puts up a no fishing that's who got no fishing it's forgiven you're born again you're my child now i'm not perfect you're not perfect i've been saved here i uh, i make this regular basis forgiven in christ but my father's acknowledged deal with so that i can be every relationship with him a relationship we have to forgive each other stands christ give the way in other words you have the right not forgiving let me explain something you do not let me tell you why this is so really hard for me i've had some say things about me in the last seven years from who it came from and what was said i've had done it hurt me it hurt but god said i do not have the right not give do you I cannot not forgive. A lot of reasons why we can't dwell on today, but one of the primary reasons, I cannot not forgive because it hurt me if I don't forgive. I will become bitter. When I become bitter, I am not for God because I'm self-absorbed. So if somebody hurts, the most important thing to do is give them. If it doesn't like it, it means you give. If you don't forgive, Satan the victory thing you want. We can't function. You have to forgive. The way you do that is you don't bring it up again. You don't bring it up. It's gone. God remembered no more. You remembered it. let it go. You don't bring it up again. You don't tell others about it. And you don't dwell on it. You forget it. You forget it. Forgive the way Christ forgave you. Notice the end of verse 13. What's the last phrase in verse 13? Does everybody see that? What is it? So you what? Must do. You see that? That's not a suggestion. That's not an option. That's not what do you think about this? You know what that's called? It's called a command. Like if you tell your children, pick that toy up. And they say, hey, let's talk about this. What's your next response? Whoa! Pick that toy up. I'm not giving, we're not talking about this. I said, pick it up. I had a little kid in a basketball game yesterday. He'd scored like 20 points. We were up 30 points. I said, do not shoot the ball again. He touched it about three seconds later. What did he do? I think he was channeling me when I, he shot it. Because that's all he knows how to do. If the ball's in his hand, you're supposed to shoot, right, Steve? But if I have the ball, it's my turn. So I took him out of the game. In the middle of the game, you are running up and down the floor. I said, come here. I said, what does do not shoot mean? Do not shoot. He said, go for it, down. In the middle of the game, I didn't call timeout or anything. I just told the ref he's out of the game. Do not shoot means do not shoot. So when God says, so you also must do, what does that mean? So you also must do. And if you don't forgive, guess what the Holy Spirit's going to do? Every time I, I have really struggled, it's one person to take forgiving that's it's happened in my life, every time I start to pray, guess who the Holy Spirit reminds me of? Every time, who does He remind me of? That person. Why? Because I got to forgive. I got to let it go. I can't bring it up. I don't talk about it. Let it go. If this doesn't convict you, it convicts me. Because when I let it go, to be what God wants to be. Third, number three, verse 14. We're not only kind to each other, we're not only to forgive. We are to love one another. 14. But notice the next phrase, really important. Above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Put on love is the bond of perfection. Notice the phrase, above all these things. Then he says put on. It's that same phrase in Greek. Make sure when you got all your other clothes on, when you're going to put on your bling to top off your clothes, the last thing you put on is your giant cross. Right, Rhett? Last thing you put on is love. Here's why. I can be kind to you. I might even be able to forgive you. But if I don't love you, God's not pleased. We saw 1 Corinthians 13 last week. God said, if you have all faith, we can move mountains. Think about that. You have all faith where you can move a mountain. You can speak with every tongue that's ever been spoken with. You can sell everything you have and give everything you have away. You have not love. You have zero. You've done nothing. Now abide three things faith, hope, love. The greatest of these love. Why? Why do you think God did that way? Step aside for a moment. This is my opinion. I think God stated it that way for this. I can be kind. I can forgive in my heart. But how do people know? How do non-believers see that we really care about each other when we love one another, when it manifests itself? What did Jesus say in John 35? What did he say? By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. By the way, when he said those words, he spoke those incredible words. It was right after he got up from being down on his hands and washing. He had given him an object lesson, had he not? He said, now if I, your Lord and Master, do this, what do you need to do? So what we're going to do here in a few moments, we're all going to take our shoes off. Just just thinking about that mentally, we're like, whoa, dog, come on, you cross the line. I know my feet might stink. I know they do. Imagine living 2,000 years ago. How often do you think they cleaned those feet up or that they really smelled good? Jesus got down and washed their feet, and he said, now you go do that. He said, and by the way, just so you'll understand, if the world is going to know that you're my follower, they'll know that we love each other. Now that word love, without taking a whole lot of time, that word love, unconditionally, sacrificial, with no strings attached, unselfish. It means it's just all about you. It's never ever about me. I want you to notice John 17. One of my favorite. I love the book of John. You know, it's John 17. That same night in that same room, after he washed feet, after he said what he said, he did. This is his great high priestly prayer at the end of the upper room discourse, praying for them. Then he prays us for every person who will follow later as a believer. Notice what he says. That they may be one, unified, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. How is the world going to know that Jesus came, see that we are one when we're unified? Because we do love each other. And he goes on to say, and I have declared to them your name. And I will declare it that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in. See, it's not human love, it's not natural love, it's not normal relationship, relational love like human beings, Christ-like love from God. I will never love my wife like I should until I love Jesus. Now we've been married forty years. We've had a great time. But what's made it special is in that relationship. Not just, you'll never be the parent you should, can be, you love Jesus first. You'll never be the friend, you'll never be the employer, you'll be the employee. You'll never be anything like can be until you love Jesus first, then love others the way he you love. Paul said to the Ephesians, I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and you love for all the saints. I love that, for all the saints. Don't raise your hand. How many, how many of you have ever gone to church with somebody you did not like? How many of you go to church right now with somebody you don't like? How many of you don't like me? I understand that. He's writing to them, commending them for the fact they love all the same. We are going to be different. Units, not uniformity. The next thing he said is, do not see, Paul says, I do not cease to give thanks for you. You do love all He said, I make mention of you in all my prayers. He said, if we're going to love each other this way, we've got to have contact with church. Have concern for care about one another. Now, I want you to notice the phrase, bond of perfection. In Greek, that means unit. Bond of unit. Bonds it all together is that we love each other. Last one. Number four is be it to each other. Verse 15. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. This word, That word rule there in verse 15, it's the only place it's used in the New Testament. It's a great picture, and it means what an umpire does at an athletic event. What does an umpire do at an athletic event? Usually they make what God does. What's an umpire do at an athletic event? He makes decisions, right? And his decisions are what? Final. Here's what he's saying. What needs to rule and all that goes on in your church is what God says. Be at peace with each other. Let God rule in your heart individually. And in your body, corporately, the peace of God, let that rule. Not something else, not anything else. Let the peace of God. Now, how do you do that? Quick things I want to mention. One is no gossip. Obviously, we could spend weeks on gossip. We'll probably do that at these, but I don't know. No gossip. James chapter 3 says this, very, very strong. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among the members that it defiles the whole body. And it sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell. It's powerful. Here's what James is saying. You want to tear a church up, just let gossip run. We all, we could give testimony after testimony after testimony of how we gossip hurt. We all could. Keep your mouth shut. I got a problem with you. I need to to talk to somebody else about you. You ever done this one? And all you really wanted to do was what? You wanted to talk about him. No gossip. Stay away from it. And then the second thing is work at it. Work at it. Endeavoring, Ephesians 4 says, we endeavoring to keep unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Unity of the spirit, the bond of peace. All right, I want you to notice at the bottom of your outline, the second pledge. And again, just relax. Nobody's going to come collect pledges in God, but I want it together. I am a church member. I will seek to be a source of unity in my church. I know there are no perfect past staff or other church members, but neither am I. I will not be a source of gossip or dissension. One of the greatest contributions I can make is to do all I can in God's power to help church in unity for the sake of the gospel. Notice that last phrase, the sake of the gospel. You see, if you're born again, you die, where do you go? Go to heaven. Don't you think we encounter a lot of people who are not born? In, there could be people in this room right now, not in church. But well, we're about the gospel coming to know Christ. We do that by being kind to each other, giving a loving one, letting that rule. I'll tell you a quick story, and then we're going to pray. It's a true story about a young man. He was a very, lived a very wild life, very wild life. He was involved in a lot of things that hurt other people, and they almost got him killed. One day he heard a preacher, and he, he was struck not by what the preacher said, He, the guy, he didn't believe what he had to say, didn't really think it was that good. Struck by the man himself, the preacher. So he went to hear him again and again, and he got to know the preacher, and the preacher led him to Christ, and he got saved. And that young man became famous, and this is what he wrote about the pastor that he got to know in Milan, Italy. Quote, I began to love him, not at first as a teacher of the truth, which I despaired of finding in the church, but as a fellow creature, was kind to no, he didn't think he'd hear the true church, but he got to know the man and ultimately found the truth. The young man that got saved simply because of the word of God with. How many people you know? I don't need church because they've been hurt somewhere in the past at church. It's not for me. Only ones with God forever, paradise, and really on the rolls. Mem- members of the, having said that, the local true which you let people, universal church, Jesus Christ forever. So your second unifying member. Father, we pause before you again as our God, the one who is real, the one who is there, the one who changes lives. Thank you, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray we would put on kindness. We would put on forgiveness. We would put on love. We would be at peace with each other because it's essential the world see that Jesus. Lord, you use us, your children, so that others might come to Christ. And as we close out today, Father, someone who is not born again would be convicted by the Holy Jesus is truth. The only way a man can know God, we give their lives to, we pray in Jesus.